Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, the Ohio State Buckeyes have had an awfully busy couple of days. Ohio State has moved on from offensive line coach Greg Stadrawa, who's done an frankly, a really good job over six seasons with several All-American offensive linemen. Uh, But he is no longer the offensive line coach for Ohio State. Uh, There is uh, there there were a lot of rumors yesterday on who's going to replace him. And our own Andrew Lind is reporting that uh, his replacement will be UCLA's uh, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Justin Fry. Also going to talk about Jim Knowles, his top priority coming into Ohio State and what kind of impact Tanner McAllister could make as the Buckeyes bring in a transfer safety from Jim Knowles' previous defense at Oklahoma State. Lots to talk about here this morning. Coaching changes and transfer impacts. That means it's the offseason, that's for sure. Be back in a second on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Brendan Gulick and Coach Tommy Zagorski with you on a gorgeous cold Friday morning in January. Coach, it's uh, it's the heart of the offseason when we start talking about things like coaching changes and transfer impacts. I say the heart of the offseason, and the reality is the Buckeyes played uh, six days ago in the Rose Bowl. Uh, but the, the calendar moves fast, and frankly, uh, these kinds of things come come changing fast. You know, this time of year, these are, uh, these are not – totally unexpected when you get coaching changes a lot of times it, it tends to be toward the beginning of the offseason uh, let's start with maybe your your initial reaction to the news that uh, coach stud was was no longer going to be with the Buckeyes yeah kind of a you know a little bit of a shocker when you look at the the revamp of the offensive staff and defensive staff here at Ohio State you know coach day obviously saw some things that he wanted to change and you know one of the things about stud is stud came in as an Urban Meyer guy you know Urban brought him from LSU Brought him back home, you know, studs from Fostoria, Ohio. Uh, so he's an Ohio guy. That was one of the things Urban tried to do was try to put together this staff that had a bunch of guys from the state of Ohio uh, to really show kind of Ohio, uh, which kind of allowed him to go recruit, I think, a little bit outside the Ohio State footprint. And I think that might have been the genius behind the Urban Meyer aspect of, of kind of his recruiting uh, philosophy at Ohio State. Ryan Day has followed in tow, but also – Ryan Day's bringing in coaches that he feels are the best football coaches. And that's where really where you look at the two different people that you have it as a head coach. And this is why I go this and it'll explain more about stud in a second, the aptitude for football type coaches. And, and I think there's sometimes there's a perception that certain coaches are either great recruiters, they're great football guys, or they're one, or they're, they really, there's not, there's only a few elite guys that have both of that in this sport. Majority of coaches have both those. Um, some are better at others than anything else. Just like any other line of work you're in, you know there's certain guys you want to have that responsibility. And no knock on Stud. Stud's done a phenomenal job of recruiting big-time prospects. I mean, the amount of NFL players that he's coached over the last 
however many years it's been. Um, but also, add into the account, you got a guy like Kevin Wilson who never worked with him prior to this. you got a guy like Ryan Day who had never worked with him. There's something about working with somebody, and even when you start working with them in a new place, you still look back. You still look back. It's a little different. Um, I hate to use the analogy, and, and my wife would hate this, but when you first start dating somebody, you look back at, like, who used to date sometimes as well. And, and I think that's where you kind of fall into that um, aspect of it. Also, the players. The players have a huge role in who is their coach. With the transfer portal, with everything that's going on, it's important. And I think what happened with Stud um, this year, he tried to play the five best. And he got a lot of heat from it, even on this show. At times we talked about it, you know, seeing Paris Johnson and Thayer Munford, who are true offensive tackles, play on the inside. Ohio State fans wanted to see Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams run between the tackles more. I think Ryan Day wanted to see that as well, but felt so important to let the ball rip and let it go. Um, it kind of put them in a, in a different situation from there. But, I mean, look at Studs developed, I believe, five All-Americans in six years. The amount of guys that have gone on to go play in the National Football League, two Remington Trophy Award winners. Um, I mean, he's he's really had a great um, run at Ohio State. And, you know, unfortunately, it came to a close yesterday uh, when it, you know, came out. But this is also part of the coaching profession. Guys know this. They pay you $700,000 a year because you don't live in a $700,000, like, type of lifestyle as a coach. You save this money because you know that eventually one day someone's going to come in and you could have done everything right. Someone can go in and go, I don't like the color of your shirt today, and you're done. And really, I think that's where, you know, you kind of find where Stud's at, um, you know, working with this offensive line and working with that group. There's a lot of great offensive line coaches out there. He won't be unemployed for very long. No. Uh, you know, like the last time the Bowling Green job was up, I mean, there was a big rumor mill that he was going to be the head coach of Bowling Green, where he started kind of really his coaching career. He's also been at Maryland. He's been at LSU. He's got an incredible resume, um, and he's going to be somebody that is not going to be out on the street very long. Um, as, a, as an offensive line coach. But what's going to really see what the next step is, is the direction that Ryan Day decides to officially go in. And what's the role Kevin Wilson plays going forward for the offensive line development and for the offensive line recruitment of the guys that they have right now uh, that are committed to Ohio State? Let's let's talk change for a second, because, you know, at, at this exact moment, we know that there are at a minimum two coaching changes on Ohio State staff. Jim Knowles has been hired. Matt Barnes chose to take an opportunity at Memphis. Um, Jim Knowles was hired whether or not Matt Barnes was going to Memphis, whether or not Matt Barnes was going to be the guy to, to be taken off of the defensive staff. It, it, was, it felt obvious that Ohio State needed help and attention on the defensive side of the ball. I think the the Buckeyes did a really good job of changing things up during the season to to make what started as you know maybe a, a train wreck waiting to happen after those first couple games into a, a very productive defensive season. You learned a lot. You got a ton of ton of growth for guys, and obviously the the defense wasn't great this year. But as the season went along, obvious progress, right? But the idea of bringing in a new defensive coach, to me, it felt like an obvious kind of necessary change. The Buckeyes offense was it was the best in the country in terms of total offense, points per game, um, you know, several different metrics. They were at least top five. I, I'm interested on the 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 decision or or or, or how you 
digest the propensity for change for a really productive group. And to your point, I mean, studs had a really good run. You know, sometimes as a coach, you you decide or someone decides for you that it's time to move on. And you probably say, gee, what, you know, what, why couldn't I get it going? You know, why, why, why did my unit struggle or whatever it might be? I mean, Stud's got a hell of a resume for whatever that next job is. Now, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what the, you know, what Stud's thoughts were, what Ryan Day's thoughts were. Obviously, you know, Coach Stud had had back surgery this year. He missed a little bit of time. So his health was was a bit of an issue for him. I don't know if if he felt he could continue to do the job at a high level. Um, he he maybe he was less fired and more his contract was up. I know that for certain. His contract was up at the end of January. Maybe there was a, a decision that the Buckeyes just said, look, we're not going to bring you back. Uh, and maybe it didn't catch him all that off guard. I, I'm not certain. But I, I'm curious on your perception of this propensity to change when you've got a unit as an offense that was performing at an extremely high level, not just this year, but with Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields and obviously now C.J. Stroud. It's a standard. It's the Ohio State standard. And you know this is anything you do. When you start swimming in certain waters, you got to be ready to go. And, and I say that because I used to tell our players this all the time. Don't play games that you're not willing to accept the reward that comes with it. And, and what that means is in, in a roundabout way is don't put yourself in certain situations not knowing there's certain outcomes. And there's positive and negatives to that. If you're going to fly with the highest of highs, be ready. Like if you're not at the latest elite level, they're going to end up coming for you. And then if you're hanging out with the scum of the earth and all of a sudden you decide that, you know, you get caught in something, well, guess what happens? That's what happens. I mean, you're there. You're in that environment. I think really where it comes down to is Ryan Day watches that film every single day. And every single day he watches the film as an offensive coach. I mean, he fit, he spends majority of his time on the offensive side of the football. He's the play caller. He does all that. He also is sitting there looking at this room, all right, the wide receiver room. Were there any issues there? No. Quarterback, C.J. Stroud developed incredibly well throughout the year. And with his, with his, you know, his mentorship, um, you know, through that standpoint, it gave them the ability to grow and have this Heisman hopeful quarterback as a freshman. Trivian Henderson was the most talked about running back in the country up through week five or six. Tight end play. I mean, we start, I mean, we gushed over Jeremy Ruckert and what he was able to do. Cade Stover's development as a defensive player, who's a home playing linebacker, Mitch Rossi. It wasn't like there were a bunch of four or five star guys in that tight end room. And Kevin Wilson somehow figured out a way to get those guys to block and get them to go get running with it. Then you come to the offensive line. And the offensive line did not play poorly this year. But if there was an issue on that offense, if there's any ever a time, it was the fact that Ohio State was poor in the low red zone. And teams that are poor in the low red zone are teams that have the trouble running the football in those types of situations. And it's been discussed a bunch inside, you know, and Paris is going to be an incredible offensive tackle playing the National Football League. Thayer's going to get drafted or will be in a camp somewhere next upcoming uh, year. These are guys that are going to go play at the next level. The issue you run into is that these guys didn't have that inside, you know, the, the quote unquote, and I hate to use this term, ass kicker uh, that Ohio State's accustomed to. You look back at the Remington Award winner. I mean, Billy Price. Billy Price is one of the toughest guys ever to play at Ohio State. When push came to shove at the end of the day, the Buckeyes could go behind him and, and know they could go with it. Last year, they had Josh Myers. I mean, there's different guys that they've had that are tough guys 
that'll buy in, that'll embrace it. So I think it's important to see, you know, kind of going forward, you know, for this group, what's the next step? What's the vision? What are they trying to do from a recruiting standpoint? Well, and and yeah. I don't want to cut you off, but to me, no. then, then this has to go like the recruiting angle. Because if if they've had the high-end, you know, success talent on this offensive line with guys that have played really well at Ohio State and have now gone on to the NFL and and a few more that look like they're moving that direction, is this move low red zone aside, does this move tell you more about what what Ohio State currently has on its roster and maybe, uh, you know, Ryan Day's – I don't know if it's a lack of faith or or just um, you know not recruiting or winning the battles for the top top guys on on offensive line you know recruiting battles whether it's currently on the roster or guys coming in. I mean, does that am I right in thinking that maybe this move is a little bit more about the recruiting side? Part of it is you want to see these guys close. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, you got to see these guys close. It's the same thing. You work in somebody who works in sales. You know, it's great that they're there. They know the product. They know what they're doing. But at the end of the day, if they're not yielding sales, they're not bringing stuff in, guess what happens? You got to move on. You got to say, all right, we'll see you. And I think from a recruiting standpoint, and I have watched him. I've worked these camp, I've worked Ohio State's camps for almost a decade. Um, starting as a Division three coach, I went and visited FCS coach, a MAC coach, all those different levels. I was there. And, you know, I worked I worked a lot with Stud, and I, I know him, um, you know, well enough that I feel like there were times where he was with the recruits and I thought he did a nice job with them. And those are the limited interactions I had with him during those camps. He was a teacher. He grabbed guys. He would talk to them. Um, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, it, and people don't realize those coaches come out of behind that curtain. Anyone's ever been to a Ohio State camp or any type of football camp, those coaches have been at the facility since 6 a.m. They've had staff, they've, had, they've worked with their players already. They've had a staff meeting uh, in the morning where they've talked about all these different kids that are potentially going to be at the camp. They spent the entire night, the night before and the months before and the weeks before and the hours before trying to get these kids to come to the said camp. And then when they sit there and if you go to the camp and there's not like some dude guys at the camp, your head coach walks around. And if anyone has been there, Ryan will walk around and usually marks with them and they walk around and nobody's and they look. And if there's not some guys there that are absolute dudes, guess what happens? You start questioning, is this guy the guy that can get these people here to bring him in, to get him going, uh, you know, from there? And then also, COVID recruiting was a different type of recruiting. These coaches weren't allowed to get out in person in front of people. And Stud is a guy, once you get to meet him in person, you know, it's a little bit different of a presence, a little bit different type of thing. I know I felt the same thing. When I recruited during the COVID pandemic, I always felt when I sat down with a recruit one-on-one and I got to meet with that guy, he got to feel the genuine uniqueness that I brought to the table and was able to advocate for him and help develop him to become the best version of himself on the field, off the field, in the classroom, in life, wherever it may go. That being said, when you're on the phone, when you're on FaceTime, when you're on whatever it may be, it loses a little bit of that luster of the human element. I don't care who you are being on FaceTime, even right now, like right now, Brendan, you and I are on this component. People get to see us, but when they see us in person, it's just a different animal. And I think where you get that, yeah, you're much, you're much more handsome in person. What's that? You're much more handsome in person. Oh, I appreciate it. No, it's, <laughs> uh, I, 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 no. so, but I, but I say that with the mindset. Stud probably went through this, you know, went through this entire you know COVID year, and it was hard on a lot of coaches. You see a lot of movement right now, but they're going to go try to get somebody that they feel is going to be a quote unquote elite recruiter, somebody also that's a teacher that they've worked with. 
And that's why, you know, Andrew's report makes a lot of sense. You know, the other person that I had thought of was maybe Brad Davis at LSU. Brad was a, um, they played for Kevin Wilson at Oklahoma. Then they've never worked together, but Brad's an elite recruiter. Uh, he's, he's very well respected in the community um, as a coach. Now he's living in Baton Rouge where he came from at LSU, but still one of those types of people that I think that's kind of maybe the direction they're going with that kind of younger coach. You know, you look at, you know, if, if it is Justin, he's 38 years old, Brad's 40, you know, like these are younger guys that maybe the players embrace a little bit, kind of looking up North to see what they did with their off season as well. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's give people that info here. So in case you, you didn't see it or didn't hear it uh, late last night, Andrew Lind, who obviously is, is an integral part of our staff here at Buckeyes. Now uh, Andrew reporting that, uh, UCLA offensive line coach and offensive coordinator Justin Fry is going to be the new offensive line coach uh, for the Buckeyes. Um, Ohio State has not confirmed that yet, but Andrew said that it's uh, it, it's coming. Um, so Justin Fry, I mean, a, you know, a younger guy with a ton of, ton of energy. One of the first things that uh, comes to my mind is, well, he's currently at UCLA, which means he's working for Chip Kelly. Uh, and considering that Justin Fry and Ryan Day – uh, did work together for one season at Temple, and they obviously knew each other. You know, Chip Kelly and, and you know Ryan Day obviously have a really good relationship, um, and I'm sure it was an easy phone call for Ryan to to give Chip a call and say, "Hey, what do you what do you like about this guy?" Um, you know, it, to to me that 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 made a pretty um, pretty obvious pairing. Uh, I also think Ryan Day probably isn't moving on from Stud unless he had a short list of guys in mind to, you know, take that job and make a quick, easy transition. So uh, all let's, the, let's dive in your thoughts on Justin Fry. Yeah. All the thoughts, all these things that we're looking at, all these things you see manifest into what they are today. This all happens, like happens way in advance, way in advance. I know any job I've ever gotten. It's been a conversation that somebody already has a job. They're already talking about it. This is where they're at. Um, it's one of those things where it just kind of, it's, it's a long drawn out, where people are coming from, um, you know, Fry come, Fry's a younger coach. Uh, I believe he played at Indiana. He's a uh, a guy that is somebody who, um, you know, played at, you know, coached at UCLA last year. But watching UCLA, it's not like they were world beaters on the offensive line. So he brings to the table something that obviously Ryan Day sees that he needs um, on his offense. And, and Ryan may have only coached with them for a year, um, as you alluded before, Brennan at Temple. But they definitely know each other. That he wouldn't go make this move and go grab this guy unless he knew exactly who he was, uh, you know, from there. You know, the one thing that you look at and, and you think about it with this, you know, with kind of that perspective is, you know, what else could he bring to the table recruiting-wise? You know, what has UCLA done, you know, from there? And then also with that, you know, is, you know, Stud's a more zone-oriented guy. Kevin Wilson's more of a gap scheme guy. You know, he may be, Justin may be more of a gap scheme guy at the end of the day, which kind of fits with what they're trying to accomplish with Travion Henderson. Because, um, you know, really, when you watch it, Travion's got the, the zone look, but um, he, at the end of the day, he's a better gap back uh, than he is zone back. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, and also, they may look at him as a better technician. You know, whatever it is, whenever you're moving on, you always, no matter who it is, you have to say, hey, that's the next best thing. Um, I think the only transition in the history of man where the next transition came, where he said it wasn't the best thing, is like when, when Christ left the earth and St. Peter decided to run Christianity, it wasn't like they were, well, he's going to be better than Jesus. Like Besides that, though, like the next step you take, you always try to make sure, uh, whatever it may be, hey, we're going to be better. 
And that's going to be exactly what Ryan Day is going to talk to, not only the recruits, uh, but also the, the offensive line. He's going to say, you guys are going to love this guy. You're going to really adapt and adjust. Um, and he's going to teach you this and this. And, and he's going to come in and he's got to sell himself to that room. He's got to walk up to Paris Johnson and say, hey, Paris, like, man, this is how I my, my plan for you. Here's my plan for you, Luke. Here's my plan for every guy that's in that room to really show how he's going to develop those guys and make sure that the reason they came to Ohio State is still that uh, situation. And then the other thing is it's still Ohio State. A lot of the guys that are in that room, they love being Buckeyes. And, you know, it's not going to matter. You know, you could bring in you could bring in the guy down the street, uh, you know, from Wiley, Wiley Junior High, or you could bring in a guy from the NFL. A lot of times those guys are going to be able to stay there because they love being Buckeyes. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I, I don't want to get too far off track here, but, um, you know, you and I have talked it uh, off air at times. I think it's worth bringing up here on air. The, the idea that as an offensive coordinator or or just in general as an offense that you want to have balance, you want to be able to throw the ball, you want to be able to run the ball and and keep a defense from, um, you know, having a predictable nature to, to their play calling because they know what you're going to do. Even in games this year where Ohio State couldn't run the ball the way they wanted to, for the most part, they still won those games because – C.J. Stroud had an unbelievable season. I mean, the reality is if C.J. Stroud decided he wants to be a four-year college quarterback, which, I mean, that's that's just not really a realistic thought, but the, the kind of productivity that he showed as a freshman, if he stays healthy, I mean, he could break whatever records he wants to break, you know? And, and so you, I think as a fan, there is a part of you that's always looking for, like, what could be going wrong. But, like, Ohio State was averaging more than 500 yards a game and scoring 45 points a game. You know, how much is is that sought-after balance that necessary? Because they move the ball at will against most teams they played against. The balance only comes in question when you lose. And really, and you look at this, they lose the Oregon game. When you lose the Oregon game, all of a sudden everyone starts questioning the offense as well. And what's amazing is that the ball was thrown, you know, the offense did not, is that the reason they lost that game? Defensively, they couldn't get a stop. And because of that, and one of the one of the disadvantages of the Ryan Day offense is the big play home run ability. Even in the Utah game, when that game needed to slow down for Ohio State a little bit, they scored too fast. They just scored so fast. And now you're sitting there going, like, all right, we're putting the defense right back on the field, which is not what you want. When your defense is suspect, you don't want those guys living on the field. And that was one of the things we talked about at the beginning of the season, the time of possession battle. You know, Minnesota, who obviously is nowhere near where Ohio State's at as a team, kept that game close at points in that game because why? Twofold. One, we were playing with a freshman quarterback. Two, the time of possession in that game. And time of possession, no one's ever come out of a game and gone, like, man, we held the ball three quarters of the game and lost by two <laughs> touchdowns. Heck of a job, guys. Heck of a job. Now, if you're, you know, if you're FCS, East Popcorn State, and you're going to play Ohio State, and you only lose by two touchdowns and you have the time of possession battle with 42 minutes, then you start sitting going, 
well, you know, we at least kept it close, you know, for our players. Ohio State, because of the ability to throw the ball, because of that, you know, ability, I don't think it takes as much away. When you can't subject someone to a standard and say, hey, we didn't run the ball effectively. If you rush for over five yards a carry, they're doing their job in the run game. Big now, game. if it's 2.2 yards a carry or 3.1 yards a carry, because I, I will admit this wholeheartedly, my first season, it was accurate. we were 2.8 yards. I want to throw up the entire offseason. It was like the worst offseason of my life. With 2.8 yards a carry, you look at that and you go, ooh, ooh. And then you spend the whole season trying to figure that thing out. But, like, I, I say that because the Green Bay Packers right now are probably maybe the hottest team in, in the NFL, if not the hottest team. And they'll be ready to go if – People never question the Packers when they do what? Oh, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball too much tonight. You never hear that. Man, Aaron Rodgers, he threw the ball too much. And then what happens is the Packers do have a sound run game with their gap scheme runs, and they run outside zone. They run like three runs in Green Bay, four runs. And when they do that, they have a simplified way of attacking the rush of attack. And I think that's what you're going to see Ohio State going forward trying to do. You're not going to be upset when C.J. Stroud throws the ball for 500 yards and Trayvon Henderson only has a pedestrian 98 110 yard game, but it, where it comes into the Magnus is when you are sitting there and you go, God, I wish they could just run the football in the low red. And they didn't have the ability to do it. Part of it is also the reps, Brendan. And that's what you were kind of getting to. And with that comment is, are they getting enough reps in, you know, in the game to do that? I know this, if I had CJ Stroud, if I had that incredible, you know, gift of wide receivers, like it's really hard not to call they throw the football an awful lot, throw the football. And, and part of it is, and we've talked about this multiple times, many play callers have their get-it-tos or their, their featured players. And on somewhere on Ryan Day's sheet, it has a Jackson Smith and Jagba sheet or play. Chris Olave plays. Garrett Wilson plays going forward. Marvin Harris, you know, all the different plays that you type to have. And you have Trayvon Henderson touches and things of that nature. But realistically, like, how do we get the ball to these guys? Because they're so different. They're so dynamic. So I think going forward, you're going to see Ohio State – potentially have to run the ball just a hair more, you know, but what you were really going to set the play action stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, they want to throw the football and that's, that's who they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what puts people in the seats. And I know the Ohio stadium is not going to boo when they're completing big touchdown passes ready to go. Nobody was booing CJ Stroud when he threw for 573 last weekend. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, these are the, the thing that we're talking about, and this is a fan base that has been accustomed to, you watch Ohio State prior to 1994, every big explosive play is what? A run. Somebody breaking off a run. That's why Maurice Claret lives in infamy in his short period of time at Ohio State because he has those big runs against Troy when they first play. The, the first couple of games, he has some big runs, you know, and that head tilts back as he's running down the sideline and everyone gets excited about it. And that's what Ohio State fans are accustomed to. And now this new generation, we're in the 2020s now, when you're seeing these receivers make catches and you're seeing Ryan Dago, holy, you know what? He caught that. I can't believe he caught that. You know I mean? Those are the things that you're running into now. Um, yeah. And that's really the evolution of the, that's the evolution of the sport. Watch anybody watch high school football. You're watching high school football games. Now they're longer than they ever were before because why people are starting to throw the football. Even when they run the ball effectively, you still get greedy. You want to throw the football. Every one of you, I play video games. How many of you sit there playing Madden? Like, all right, run I'm going to run a draw. Set it up. Ooh, live for, ooh, <laughs> third and two. This is what I'm living for in this video game. No, people like airing the ball out. It's just natural. People yeah. like home runs. People like touchdowns. And that's what that's what Ryan Day is trying to accomplish. 
before we jump to the defensive side, uh, and we'll, we'll go for about 10 more minutes here, folks. Um, let, let's real quick talk the recruiting impact here, right? We don't need to do a deep dive, but obviously th this whole thing became kind of funny that this announcement came out right after Ohio State lands uh, a commitment from Carson Hinsman uh, out of the state of Wisconsin. Um, several different uh, of, of, of the Ohio State you know, beat. Um, I know I saw it at least on Letterman Row. I, I saw it on 11 Warriors. Um, several reporters talked with Carson, and, and basically he said, hey, you know, I'd, um, my decision to commit to the Buckeyes doesn't change because of Coach Studs leaving. He was obviously kind of tipped off about this or told there was a change coming or, or whatnot. He wouldn't have made that commitment if he um, if, if he didn't know. And then Josh Padilla is a, a, a commit, you know, for the class of 23. Um, maybe that maybe that helps that there's not a ton of other offensive linemen already, you know, committed uh, and, and that Justin Fry is going to start, you know, uh, I don't want to say with a clean slate, but he's he's going to have a chance to bring in some other guys. Yeah, it's important to make sure that those guys are going to go win and get them the right way and make sure you can bring them in. You know, that's one of the other things is as you're getting in there and you're looking at who they need to target the 2023 class. You know, probably Luke Montgomery out of Finley um, is a guy that's going to be a big time offensive tackle commit. And um, that's somebody that Ohio State's got to continue to work on. Uh, Josh was there during camp in the summer. I was there with him, uh, watched him work out, worked him out. And, um, you know, he's a big inside physical kid that's going to fit kind of the mold you know, of what they're looking for. So I think that's going to be important. And then the other thing you look at is like, you know, and Ryan Day's not dumb. And I know they talk about this, but Carson Hinsman, and he makes this decision, you know, right now, where's Carson at? Carson's at the Army All-American game. Who's he working with? George Fitzpatrick. You know, so he's with people um, that are still going to be in his corner trying to push him through to go to Ohio State um, and continue to, to do that, to evolve. Um, you know, it's and the other thing is about offensive linemen, a lot of them are not flipped they don't flip back and forth and especially yeah. for for Carson to wait this long to make this commitment i mean we're living in a world where if you're not signed on december 15th you know kind of what's going on and he he waited and he saw, thought this thing out and waited and waited and waited and for him to come from a small town in wisconsin and then the other thing that you look at in the follow up is all right who were the other schools that were in the final running for him all right wisconsin joe rudolph where's joe rudolph at now joe rudolph's the offensive line coach of virginia tech he just left all right. Now you go back. Where where else was he looking at? Iowa. Iowa George is yep. still there. George George was at Miami of Ohio last year. So George is a, a Mac guy that's that's made the climb. And then the other one was Notre Dame. And Notre Dame does what? Notre Dame doesn't have the same offensive line coach anymore. So really, as you look at it, where he's looking, he's really hopefully picking by the institution. And and one of the things that's important to look at this through that microscope is that these kids make decisions to go play for yes a coach. But also more importantly, to a university and to a community that they really want to be a part of, and they feel is the best for their development and their growth, and that's what they recruit to. And when they recruit to that, and you recruit that way, that's when you get really excited as a as a recruiter that you've been able to be enough of an advocator for that academic institution that that young man wants to stay there. And I think when that happens, even when you leave, you're still happy that he came there for the right reasons. You brought him in under the right context. Like, you know, we talked about this last week when Utah, the, you know, the corner that left because, well, you know, the guy that recruited me left. Well, wait a second. Well, why were you going to Ohio State in the first place? Because of him? 
Like you're not going to go live with that guy. You're not going to go stay in his house. Like you're going to that school because that's where you want to develop your legacy and you want to be part of it. So that's where it's going to come into play. I think Carson will stick with them, but the 2023 class, um, this will be the way for him to make his stamp as the offensive line coach now going forward uh, and trying to develop these guys accordingly. Just to kind of put a ball on that for anybody that's just, uh, you know, joined us a little bit late here. Um, obviously the news yesterday, stud is out. Uh, Andrew Lynn from our staff is reporting that, uh, the, the new offensive line coach for the Buckeyes is Justin Fry, and that that announcement could come as soon as today, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Ohio State has has some work to do on the recruiting trail to, to try and keep some of this momentum uh, on the offensive side of the ball. That's for sure. Okay. One other thing before I finish, yeah, Ernest, sure. Green, Ernest Green's also a guy they were heavily recruiting. Absolutely. They probably feel like they're not going to get Ernest Green, and they're okay to make that move at this point. Uh, kind of going, you know, or maybe this is the move that helps them. Now, Ernest Green wasn't really – UCLA was not in his, like, top couple schools, so it's not like he's got a little right. interaction there. But at least they say, hey, you know what, we're not going to get Ernest. Now it's time to move on. I think Ernest probably end up at Georgia. But Let's move to the defensive side of the ball here for the last few minutes of our conversation and, and talk about Jim Knowles and, and Tanner McAllister for a minute. Um, I'm just going to pose the question straight out to you. What do you think Jim Knowles' top priority is – as he takes over this defense and as he brings on a, a transfer safety that had a really productive season for him at, at Oklahoma State and Tanner McAllister, uh, especially with the the early season injury to Josh Proctor and unfortunately with what Lathan Ransom just uh, you know suffered as, as a fairly serious leg injury, um, the impact you think that, that Tanner McAllister could have on the defense next year? Well, it's somebody who knows the system. He wants that guy that's going to be able to bark out stuff in the safety and the secondary and be able to make that adjustment for him. Uh, the biggest thing that he's going to have to be able to adjust is they have to get to the quarterback quicker. And I know that's something that we've talked about a lot on this is a consistency in stopping the run and tackling the quarterback and really tackling the football in the way of the quarterback. And what I mean by that is being able to put pressure on quarterbacks to the point where, you know, really you look back, Michigan State was really probably the game that Ohio State was able to be the best defensive group that they were in. They took the running game out of the equation for Michigan State early, especially with the offensive firepower that was going on the other side. And the same thing happened at Purdue. Like Purdue tried to hang around, but it just it couldn't keep up in that track meet. And I think what you're going to see is a, a defensive coordinator that wants to stop the football uh, from running it and then be able to go through the pass. And here's where you get excited about him. He's coached in the Big 12. The Big 12 is not known for defense ever. Yep. They're not known for defense. And really, you look at the Big 12 championship game, it was the two best defenses in the Big 12. You got Dave Aranda at Baylor, who Dave Aranda, I mean, I it should be the national coach of the year for what he has done. Heck yeah. He damped that offense to go win a bowl game. And I mean, like he's <laughs> the guy, I think, out of anybody that had the best year adjusting into it. Dave Aranda, phenomenal football coach. Then you take into uh, then you take into account, you know what they did at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's never played defense. Name, name me an Oklahoma State defensive player you know. Nobody knows. You pretty much can't. Yeah, you can't. It just doesn't exist. And then now this defense has been so talented, so tough, so physical. Um, that's going to be his biggest thing. Is going to be to solidify that box. I know we talk about the secondary a lot. It's not as much as when the secondary when they have to cover for longer periods of time. They are ready to go. And I know you and I had joked about this, is that if Phillips comes here, you know, Kerry might still be the offensive, the defensive coordinator because now you can play man coverage more. You have two bona fide quarters that can run man coverage, and now you add the safety um, into the equation. Now you're really talking about bolstering this defense. You add a D, you know, 
Diamante Trainum is a phenomenal athlete. That you move on to the defensive side of the football, uh, allow him to run around, steal chambers. Tommy Eichenberg had this incredible Rose Bowl game. Um, great audition for the for, for Jim Knowles. So now, yeah, and, and how about Cade Stover, the audition that he had? You know, I mean, maybe Cade Stover didn't realize it, but played so well that maybe he moves back to the defensive side of the ball. 100%. And then the other thing about Kate Stover is Kate Stover's a big enough guy. You could actually put his hand in the dirt. So yeah. it's what, what do you want to do with Kate Stover going forward? And this is where really Mickey Mariotti's development of him in the offseason, what do we want to do with his body? Can we move Can we move a Sawyer inside and now have more of an elite-type defensive tackle passer and let Kate be the guy off the edge? So this is where um, they have one of those things. And I, I'll be honest, and, and I've talked about this multiple times on here, Kate Stover's high school film – is still one of the best high school films I had ever seen in my life. When he committed to Ohio State, I go, holy smoke, this kid, out of, he's putting Lexington on the map. I mean, he literally had the ability to just manifest whatever he wanted to come on offense, defense, specialty. He did it all. Um, it was really fun to watch him, and it's going to be fun to see what they decide to do with him at Ohio State. And to think about how great of an athlete these guys are at Ohio State. We have a guy who could start on one side of the football and be an effective starter, Move to the other side of the football. I mean, if it's there, those are great football players. I know Herbie doesn't think they exist anymore, but that's a kid that loves football and loves being able to get there. So I'm pretty excited about that. I love, I love her. I love Kirk Herbstreit. He's taking a lot of heat for that. But yeah. also, that's real. There are kids out there, and it's not, it's not a general statement. There are kids out there that don't love necessarily the sport. They love being football players, which we've talked about before. Yeah, Kate Stover had something like 600 tackles in his high school career. I mean, it was, it's, it's pretty eye-popping. Thursday uh, on Salisbury State Day in Lexington, he tackled the lunch lady. Um, and the guy tackles everybody. So you got to look now. Is that a confirmed report? Uh, it was. Uh, I think Andrew Lynn actually uh, dropped that. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, we've got a ton more uh, ton more coverage planned for you throughout the offseason here uh, to talk specifically about the defense and try to figure out exactly what the best combinations are for Ohio State moving forward. But uh, obviously, things are off and rolling. A change on the offensive side, a change on the defensive side and on the coaching staff front. Um, I would expect that we're going to find out from Ohio State sooner than later that, that Justin Fry is the guy. Uh, and certainly, we are very much looking forward to the opportunity to hear from the coaching staff, both Ryan Day and some of the assistants. Um, I would think that Jim Knowles at some point will talk with the media, especially being a coordinator. Um but have to wait and see how that process plays out. But it, it has to be coming here in the next couple of weeks. Um, not surprised that after a long season that uh, the coaches have a chance to maybe decompress for a couple of days post-Rose Bowl before they before they dive back in uh, uh, feet first. So uh, that's the latest here for this morning. Coach, thanks for your time. Appreciate it as always, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. All right. All the latest over on BuckeyesNow.com for the Buckeye Breakdown podcast. And for Coach Tommy Zagorski, I'm Brendan Gulick. See you soon. Ohio State making a change on the offensive line. Greg Stadrawa on his way out. Reportedly, Justin Fry coming to Columbus.